Hey everyone, this is Pastor Stephen. I wanted to thank you for checking out our podcast, and we hope that this message encourages you and helps you in your pursuit to live for Christ with everything you have. We hope you enjoy the message. Brave the, the, the wonderful tundra that we are in, and I'm thankful that you came into the house of the Lord. I understand that some people saw the roads and said it looks a little treacherous with the winds gusting up to 40 mile an hour. They didn't want to brave the roads, and I, and I get that. And I'm thankful that we have our online streaming for those that are watching this morning. I know that we had a couple of prayer requests that came in. Um, we, the Stephanie and Steve Kovach were not feeling well this morning, so they said, can we just stay home and watch? I said, absolutely. And we have others that, that I know are still sick as well of body, so just remember them as you look around this morning. But I just want to remind everybody what we have going on in the church every single week. Um, that God blesses us to be here. Uh, we have our, t- our Wednesday morning prayer time at noon where we're just asking God to come and do the miraculous in the world. I know it was on Tuesdays. We switched it to Wednesday, Wednesdays, and it's so far looking good. And then we also have our midweek services on Wednesday nights too, so we're only heating the building up one real full day to get it ready for everybody else, so it makes it a little nicer. <clears throat> but we have our teenagers that are coming in having lessons where my wife is helping them as the, worst, as the youth pastor over that. And then we also have Kids Church where Brother Jim and Sister Amy volunteered as tributes. If you know anything about the recent Hunger Games movies, you'd get that. Um, but they are helping the, teen, or the little kids learn Bible quizzing, um, dances, art, and all this fun stuff for the junior talent competition coming up this spring. I think it comes up, what, in March? It's in April, so we're excited for that, and we, we want to encourage you, if you have little ones, if you're watching online, bring them. If you're not watching online, you're here, and you haven't done it, bring them. What? No. No, I think you're telling a falsehood. She's saying there's $1 million in prizes? That just seems a little absurd. But anyway, it's not about the prizes, it's about growing in your knowledge of Christ. So we're just going to leave it there. Um, so you want to get out for that. Then also we had a great uh, food service giveaway last Thursday. And the next one is not this Thursday, but the following Thursday. So if you want to come out and help, just come and join us. It's a fun time of watching people just have their lives helped out. And you see the joy come through as they receive things that they needed assistance in. So we want to encourage you if you can do that. But if you can't do any of those things, make sure you get here next Sunday. So just tell the person next to you, we got to be here next Sunday. Because this is, a, this is the house of the Lord, and we come into this place to, to learn, right? Brother Chip says to learn. So, but if you were here last week, you know that we started up a series called um, The Way to Worship. And in it, we're, we're, we're challenges is to try to figure out what worship is about. Last week, if you were here, you would have heard me say that we are all designed for worship. But the struggle that humanity has is the fact that we choose various things to worship. And we are not always in the proper place in our options of what we worship. So I just want to say this morning... That it's good to be in the house of the Lord to where we could worship Him with all sincerity and truth. And it's even more 
wonderful as I, I as I sit back and I was joking with Brother Chip the other morning as or the other evening, and I and I brought to the fact that it'll be coming up at the very end of February, that it'll mark three years that we were um, voted in as pastors of this church. It's crazy, right, honey? Three years coming up this February. And, and Brother Chip said, what? You're counting down? Does it feel like it's been that long? Do we, are we giving you that many gray hairs? And I said, well, I, I kind of see more on my face a little bit. But it's good things. Say what, Chip? It's all his fault. He's, he's giving me his hairs as we're going is what he's saying. <clears throat> but it's been a great journey so far, and I'm looking forward to the years that are going to be coming through as God allows us to minister, because my prayer is not to leave this church. It's to see this church grow and to flourish under what he is doing in and through our lives, each and every one of us, because it's not about me. It's about him who I get to worship and to serve alongside some of the greatest brothers and sisters of the Lord in this area. Some of the people that we would come into and we would know as aunts and uncles that you get to worship next to every single week. Some of the greatest grandparents of the faith that we could ever imagine. I mean, when I came in here, I had known Brother Jack through Zoom conversations, but it didn't... It didn't encapsulate in my mind that he was going to be 93 years old, still here at this church, still telling me how to do things. Still giving me insights and inputs and encouraging me along the way. Let alone like, like Pastor Kenny back there in the back, who is a member of, of, of the, the, the ministry, and he's been in the, the rough of it. Or Brother Dorman, who I could call, and I, could, I know if I ask him a question, he gives me answers. You see, what I'm trying to get at is it is great to be in the house of the Lord that we get to come into a place and see others like us not always about the ministry, but others like us that do life and have been going through the thick of it in so many ways. It's wonderful to come into a place to be part of something so vast and so wondrous. And it's such a blessing for each and every one of us. But what I have seen in churches that I've gone through, not just faith fellowship, churches like Stratford Heights that I was a part of that was over a thousand members, churches like my church in South Carolina, which was 300 members, and this church is that we find people coming through the doors and they're asking questions. Questions like, why do I have to come to see all my crazy family members of this church every single week? I mean, I think about Christmas sometimes, and I'm like, why do I have to go see these crazy people? No, my family's not crazy. We're just, we're just turners. No, in all reality, I love my family. They're quirky. They're, they're different, just like me. And we all think differently, and it's a fun interaction. i got to say that because I don't want to get myself into trouble. See, my wife's already going at it. The other questions is, why do I have to come every single week to church? Why do I have to sit in the pews and, 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 
and not around a dining room table where I can actually enjoy conversations, but I have to listen to this, some, some idiot up there looking around with a microphone just giving me insights. Yes, I called myself an idiot. And I say that just because I want to downplay the importance of where I'm at. Because while I am the mouthpiece of what God has given me to help you get through this life, it's not about me. It's not about you sitting in the pews either, though. But it's about the combination of answering questions that we all have. Of of why do I need to go to church every single Sunday? Or on Wednesdays? Or every time the doors are open, why do I need to gather into a place where where it just seems like it's so insignificant? And I want to challenge you. Because that question is one that is rocking the world every single day. There's a reason why we have empty pews. There's a reason why churches are getting to be less populated everywhere all across the United States. It's because people are asking that question and they're not receiving the answer. Why do we need to go to church? Last week when we started the service, I asked, what do I worship? But even greater... We need to take a step back and look around and start asking questions of will, will those that serve around or those that sit around me see the worship to my God as something that might make them want to worship Him too? Will the thing that I worship be something that's so contagious that I'll make others want to worship Him too? See, I, I interact with people all the time dealing with all kinds of crazy things in their life. And am I perfect? No. Do I mess up? Yes. But my hope and my prayer every single day is that my worship, that I serve my God and I worship Him in my actions and my doings every single day and my desire to love everyone just the same as everybody else because I try to show no partiality in any way, shape, or form. That it would be contagious because they see something within me that should stir within them. But why do I got to go to church, Brother Chip? Why do I got to come into a place and deal with people all the single time, which is the answer that I have? Why do I have to go to church week after week, month after month, year after year? And this profound question is the thing that has been resounding in my mind for weeks now. And it brought me back to a place where I asked it so profoundly and I decided that it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth going to church. What? The pastor said it wasn't worth going? No, there was a time in my life where I decided that I would rather stay home, sleep in, and turn on the Bengals and watch them. And cheer on a team and worship the, 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 the Bengal Tigers as they're marching down the football field every single Sunday. There was a time where my desire was to worship the rest that I thought I needed and deserved because I had worked four days that week. There was a time where I allowed the hurts that I had encountered 
inside of the church has become the thing and the idol that I would worship and leave at the door where I would say that I cannot go into this place and worship with those people. But why do we go to church? We can give every excuse under the sun why we should never attend a church service. Why we never attend places where those like-minded believers look so nice on the outside but are all vipers on the inside. But that just leaves us with a question that we have to ask. The way to worship. You see, God designed worship to be given to Him and Him alone. But He also designed it to be this thing called corporate worship where we were called to gather together, every single one of us, to go into a place and be united as we praise Him. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, what we find is that the Scripture says, Assemble the people, men, women, and little ones, and the saunderers within your towns, that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God. And to be careful to do what the word of the law and that their children whom have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God. You see, those are profound declarations that God is calling upon his people to do. That they're supposed to assemble together and to start hearing the word, the truth, and the hope of everything that they have. That they would have this something rooted within them where they would really connect with what worship is. Because there is a beauty that comes from the gathering of the saints and of the faithful and not in the religious ideals that it's simply just a check mark. Not that it's just a check mark. Not that it's just some place where we're just trying to, to meet the need. But it's a place where we're called to go together to where we can learn, where we can understand, where we can grow, and we can become one thing and one thing only that God has designed us to be, His people. If you don't believe me, look at how many times God commanded all of Israel, even though they might have been scattered across all of the promised land, to gather. There were three unique festivals that God says that you need to be at and come together and to assemble every single year. The first one was the Passover. It was in the springtime. We, we celebrate Easter three days after. But here's the point. What I'm trying to get at is the Passover was supposed to be the remembrance of the whole entire body of believers who God had saved out of Israel to remember what he had done in Egypt. How he would set them free. How they were to come together and to worship him in the wilderness. How they were to come together and to have that ability to worship him and freedom and, and solidarity as, to, as one united together. The second one was called the Festival of Weeks, which is around the time of the Passover, 49 days afterwards. Which is where we also get our Pentecost. And the last one was the festival of tents where the people were to remember 
the times that they would spend in the wilderness, living in the, in the, in the, the, the squalors, so to speak, but yet so blessed to be surrounded by their God in the wilderness. You see, they, they were called to assemble. They were called to come together to remember the truth and to worship God. Not in the ways that we would often think. Because so many people connect worship with just song. Oh, we get up here, we do our three songs, and we sit down, and then we just sit. Our worship was the three songs. No, the worship was the entire service. The worship starts when the, when the countdown goes. The worship starts when the coffee starts brewing in the kitchen every Sunday. The worship starts when you put your key in the ignition with the declaration that you're going to gather into this place with others. As you come in, and it ends when you get home and you get to exalt his name and say, God, thank you for a wonderful church service. Thank you for a time with my fellow brothers and sisters together. Thank you for a time where we got to hear the word of the Lord and have it just, just given to us in a way that we could understand this week that might give us the ability to live a little bit more closer with you. See, we are called to gather together like the Israelite people every single week with the understanding that we will grow as a family united together. Because what worship is intended to do is to go and give glory to God, but it's also meant to unite us. But pastor, you mean worship's meant for us too? No, it's not meant for you. There's a byproduct when you exalt God. There's a byproduct that comes through each and every one of our lives when we take a little bit of who we are and say, God, I'm not worthy enough, but I give it to you nonetheless. There's a little bit of a change that comes through in the pursuit of God in our lives that changes everything about who we are. <coughs> Sorry about that this morning. Because what God keeps telling each and every one of us is that when we worship Him, something rubs off on us. If you read about Moses and how he went up to the mountaintop and he worshiped God and he spoke with God and he got the commandments from God and he came down from, from the mountaintop and he shone like the glory of God and he had to go around the people and they didn't know what to think about what happened to him. It transpired in a manner and a fashion that allow us to see what worship does. It changes us into something even greater. In college, yes, I went to college not because I wanted the degree, but because I felt the call of God on my life. And growing up in not a Christian home and, and, and not really hearing the word of God, I wanted to grow in my understanding and my season of preparation for what God has called me to be, to call me into the pulpit, to call me to be able to understand the word in a way, in a manner and, and I, that I never understood. So in one of my classes in college, I can remember they, it, was, it was called The Art of Worship. And when I, I looked at Melissa, when I got the, um, 
the uh, course um, outline that I was supposed to take, I said, this is the funniest course I've ever heard. The art of worship. I said, honey, how are they going to teach me how to worship? I was a little green around the ears. Because at that time, all I ever thought about worship was the song. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Oh, that was my jam. Or, or, or I'd get some Jesus uh, freak from DC Talk going in the car, and I'd start trying to rap like, like Toby Mac did. And the, re- the music, if you're a little older than me, you might not get that reference. But if you're a little younger than me and you've heard it, you will get the reference. But I found it interesting, Sister Amy. Because as I was opening up the book for the very first time, it was called Worship. The art of corporate worship. And I was like, okay, why is there a business version of worship? Stupid reference, just me. And I started reading the first couple of pages and it talked about how corporate worship was a design from God. To do so much more than just to exalt his name, but to help build up the body of believers with the understanding of the importance that we are called for something greater. Something greater. Because the way to worship is is something that that so many in the world nowadays, so many different churches don't fully comprehend. Psalms 133 kind of spells it out for us. It was written by David as he was thinking about going up the steps of the temple to worship God in a way of reminding him about what it's supposed to do. And it says, Behold, how good and pleasant is it, my brothers, dwell in, when they dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down the beard and the beard of Aaron running down the collar of the ropes. <coughs> it is like the dew of Himron, which falls on the mountain of Zion. For, the Lord, or for there the Lord has commanded the blessings in life forevermore. How good and pleasant is it when we dwell and live in unity. We live in a, <coughs> we live in a time and a place where unity is so lacking. But David's song was a a reminder that as we come into the place of God, that we are supposed to seek the unity with one another. Because we are called together to worship God united as one people. It's the first point, Yetta. David's psalm was proclaiming the truth that we all have to grasp. That it is because we live in a world that is divided with ideas swimming all around in various people. Things like, how do you drink your coffee is the right way. I mean, let me take a consensus. Who drinks their coffee black? Who has to have creamer? Who has to have the Starbucks? Be honest. You see, which one's right? How about this? If my wife was here, I already know the answer. Who calls it a pop? Who calls it a soda? You're a pop. 
You see, we have conflicting ideas. Better yet, who's a cat person? Who has to have a dog? Who can have both? There we go. Well, at least we got some honest people here. Hugs. Who, who likes to say, have hugs when they get in the room? Who's a handshake-only person? See? Better yet, let's see who's worshiping who. Browns fans. Steelers fans. Bengals fans. See? We all have these conflicting ideas that can divide us and all that we are. And I know it seems jokingly in the moment right here, right now, but these things can be the thing that keeps us from wanting to come together in united worship. You see, I once worshipped next to a Steelers fan, and I looked at them when I was a Bengals fan, and that's all I ever lived and breathed by, and I was like, man, I can't worship you. You stink. And I was losing the heart of what God is trying to get us to become aware of because we are all called to worship Him united as one. We are all called to come together and, and to do some miraculous things that it seems like it, it can't happen. Because I know that there are some times that we ask questions like, Pastor, do I really have to worship next to so-and-so because they are so wicked and mean to me all the time? Yes, you do. If they're in the same place, you worship with them. But, Pastor, that doesn't seem fair. It's not about fair. It's about surrender. But, Pastor, you mean I have to worship with so-and-so, and I know what they were doing the other day? Yes. You need to worship them because you don't know what their heart might have been transformed in that single moment. But when we gather together in this one place, it's not about you. It's about him. And we all need to raise our voices to him and give him the exaltion that he is deserved. That's why when David was writing Psalms 133, he's reminding himself. The same thing that every single person in this building, every person that's worshiping online this morning, Every single hurt that we go through. That as we come into the place, we need to come with the anticipation that corporate worship is meant to be united together and that you have to surrender your ideals to give it to him. Not worrying about who's to the left or to the right of you. Not worried about your comforts and your wants and your desires and your pleasures, but about whom you are worshiping. Because when we can connect that, then we can understand that the dew of Himron, which was an interesting feature that nobody can geographically pinpoint at all in the theological searches, except for this. That when the dew falls, it brings growth in whatever it falls. It's like the springtime when the dew starts falling, it allows the grass to get that much needed uh, moisture so that it can grow. When the dew falls in our life as we surrender and we understand that we're coming in to become united, we see what God is transpiring in our lives as he seeks to change us. It's almost like coming into a place realizing that you're not alone anymore. You see, for the longest time, some people in this world come to church thinking it's for the strong people. And those in the world look at us and are like, man, why are you going to church? Don't you realize it's only for the weaklings that go to church? 
it's only for those that are messed up and, and don't know what's going on, so they just believe in whatever fairy tale they have. They think that we come to church because we don't have what it takes to measure up. Because they've twisted a truth because the demonic forces that are around them is trying to get them off the mark. We come to church every single week because we need something to help us to get through it. It doesn't mean that we're weak. It just means that we know where the source is that we have to get it from is. We come together because we need to be united as one body, one person, one, one, one being called according to God. Thank you, brother. <clears throat> because what we have to realize is, is when we can get together, we can circle around each other and start helping each other out when we need it. A circle. I love how God works sometimes. Because when we start circling around each other and helping each other out and lifting each other up and start becoming united in our worship where the center point is the thing that we're worshiping and we're wrapped around it, it becomes a force that's very mighty and hard to break. You see, uh, uh, studying geometry and all that stuff, we know that if you point a circle, what happens to it, Brother Chip? It just kind of flexes a little bit. It's able to withstand such mighty things. That's why the strongest shape in all of the universe is a sphere, which is just continuous circles all around one single point because it doesn't matter what the force is on the outside. It can withstand it. It doesn't collapse. But it takes the united front of those that are those different points along that circle that keep it from, from falling apart and collapsing. That's why they use it on the submarines going down deep into the water. But it's like this that we have to understand that we come into the church together with the desire to be unified because what we have to really grasp the concept of is that the worship that we are supposed to give, the united worship of believers, is the one that's building us each and every one of us up. It's what's reinforcing us in our lives. It's what's teaching us to come together and to, 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 to grow further and deeper with God in everything that we do. It's what's allowing us <coughs> to get through this life. And no, I'm not saying the heres or heresy that we worship because we want to get something in return. What I'm saying is that we worship because it's not about us, but it's about what the, the one that we're called to worship. And how he loves us and he designed the worship that he's due and he's worthy of. To change our lives. When he comes into the room and, we, and we, we start worshiping God. And we start disarming ourselves and removing the struggles and the hiccups and the worries that we have. Something changes. I can remember the, the most profound times. In my early Christian walk, where there were times that I didn't want to come into church and worship. I was dragged there and I just wanted to sit there and go, oh, no. It's not what I'm here for. I want to get entertained. They're not singing the song I want to sing, so I'm not going to worship with them. 
just being real. There are going to be times in your life that you might come into church and you're like, I don't want to worship like they do. I don't like the songs they're singing. Man, I don't like it. It's new. I, I, I want the old red back hymnal stuff. Or some of the young folks, I don't understand this hymnal stuff. It's just confusing to me. I can't read it. But when we understand the truth, <clears throat> that when we start seeing others worship with the struggles that they've encountered in this life, something happens to the believer. Something happens because it doesn't just give God the glory, but it starts changing us inside as we witness what's going on. Because as I was sitting in the pew saying, I don't like what they're singing, and then I look up and I see the worship leaders up there singing songs with tears down their eyes. I said, I don't know what's going on in their life, but if they can worship God like they're doing, why can't I? See, there are going to be times in our lives where we come into this place and we don't want to do it. We don't want to do it at all because of our, our, our desires. I don't want to sing their songs, but then when we look around and we're like, okay, if they can worship, I can worship. It reinforces the truth that we need to understand every single day of our lives. That's why God designed a corporate worship. That's why he allows us to come together. That's why his word says, do not forsake the gathering of the brothers and sisters. Let them come and, 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 and be with us. And better yet, it's like what Hebrews chapter 10 says, where it says, let us consider how to stir up one another in love, or to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as it is habit of some. You see, we're not to neglect it. We're supposed to desire for it and try to make every effort to get together with one another so that way we can build each other up. So we can become encouraged. And we can hold on to the promise that one day we're going to hear a trumpet sound and we're going to get to worship God with everything we have. But still united. Because I'm recalling the time when I read through the book of Revelation and it talked about the 144,000 bowing down before God and saying, worthy are you, God. All united, all with one voice, all with one resound desire to say, God, we are worthy of nothing, but you are worthy of it all. And he does it to remind us of our proper place and the struggles we have. You see, I've been in churches where they got seats up here for the rich people. I've seen the, the churches where, where they got the rich people, the people that give the most up here get the exultion. I've witnessed people get up and say, oh, you're sick, you're lame, get in the back seats. We're going to sit up in the front seats. But what corporate worship is intended to do is to teach us that the way of worship is one where we're all on the same level where we're all on the same place, where we're all realizing that we all are going through some tribulations. And we all have past. And we all have futures that are still to come, but we all are struggling still. That's why I love how corporate worship seems to change us and unite us together to realize 
that we're called to lift one another up in the proper places and accordances. Because no, we do not know what everybody's going through. We don't know the hardships. We don't know the despair that people have dealt with. We don't know the diagnoses that people have been given that they're holding on to and don't want to talk about. We don't know about what's going on in the home life. We don't want to know about what's going on in, in, in work times. But when we come together, we're to lift up his name to encourage one another that when this life is still just a memory, his word will still stand and that he's still worthy of the author and the finishing act of what's going on in your life. You see, we got to get back to a place where corporate worship is fully understood. Because the last point that I want to say this morning is that our worship... Our united worship binds us together. I don't know what it is about worship that makes people always think that it's about themselves solo. It's about the emotions I feel. It's about the encounter I have right then and there. And well, sometimes it is true that there is those little moments in our lives. But if the worship that we give God is all about what we feel in the moment. Then we've missed the mark of what true worship is. You see, Jesus in one of his final prayers before he went to the cross, in John chapter 17, he says, I do not ask for these only, but I also ask for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one but not just like any kind of one but not just like the idea that 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 we could just say okay we're just one because we all are Bengals fans or we're all Browns fans no no we are to be one because the father is in me and I am in him and and that we may be in us or that they may be with us in us and through us so that they would be like the representation so that the world may believe that he has sent us. See, that's a, that's a conundrum. Because what we struggle with is the understanding that when we come into this church week after week, month after month, generations after generations, that we have to hold on to the truth that there is something greater happening and in, in, through our lives. Because this has got to be a place where we're not just coming in thinking, I'm all by myself. But we really have to get into the place where we shape our desires week after week, day after day, to know that when we come into this place, it's a safe place. It's a place of nourishment. It's a place of reinforcement. It's a place of hope. It's a place where his truth is, is taught through this whole entire movement, which is all of you. It's a place where we become united and we can become a driving force for the world around us. It's a place where, like what Paul calls us, to be the body 
of Christ. Worshiping God like he did on earth and continuing the ministry even though he's in heaven still today to help restore this fallen creation to understand that we are all called to worship corporately. To build the church together, to see the struggling, to learn to overcome their desires. We are called to be a desiring place of unity. A place where our worship can connect with heaven and not go back to the places we once were. We have to hold on to the fact that the struggles that we might face will not define our lives. He does. That the opposition that we might be facing right here, right now, whether it's at home, whether it's at work, whether it's just in your mind, whatever it is, it's not what's going to define you. But our worship will. That's why we have to remember that God is calling all of creation to worship. And if you won't, the rocks will. That's because God is worthy of it all. God has called us to come around him to worship him as one. Colossians 3 reminds us to put then, or put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has complained against another, forgiving one another. So that the Lord has forgiven you, so that you may also be forgiven. And above all of these, to put on love, which binds everyone together in perfect harmony. And to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And to be thankful. I'm thankful that God called me out of that muck and allows me to worship Him with each and every one of you. I'm thankful that every single day I get to wake up, I get to exalt His name and to see others come up from the muck that they've fallen into. I'm thankful that I don't feel God sometimes, but I get to see others worshiping Him around me and it lifts my heart up to realize that I can really connect with Him. And I'm thankful that I have like-minded believers to reflect the truth of Scripture into my life. But I'm also thankful that I'm not alone. Aren't you? You're not alone. You got people around you that can remind you of that every single day of your life. But it's about how we learn to worship. I know some of you might be like, I don't know what I'm going through. I'm struggling each and every day of my life and I don't feel like I have people around me. It's time to look up and see others worship. Because you're in the right place. Because today, we get to do just that. We get to exalt his name in everything that we have as we hear the word, as we sing songs to him, as we exalt his name, as we love one another, as we become one united together. Then we get to see the transformation come through our hearts. If you'll stand with me this morning. I know we have a lot online this morning. And we love you and we miss you and we want to see you next week. We're praying that the weather doesn't go like this like it did this year. Or this morning. With the unannounced, unexpected snowfall and the cold temperatures. But let us remember that we are all together in this. 
seeking to bring forth the glory of God into this world as they see it through our worship and through our lives. Seeking to see a transformation that can occur. But it comes through our worship. It comes through our hope. It comes through everything that we have. When we sing songs like we fall down and we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus with the greatness of his mercy and love at the feet of Jesus and we will cry holy, holy, holy and we cry holy, holy, holy and we cry holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. See, songs like that are the things that we have to have as anthems because it takes away the self-ideals of I worship you to the real acknowledgement that we worship you. I just want to get us to that place where we sing songs like that. Chip, I don't know if you know the chords for that, do you? We fall down. I'm putting him on the spot this morning. Can we just sing that this morning? We fall down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. Do you have the chords, Amy? Okay, Amy's going to lead us because she don't want me to lead you, but I'll sing with you because I'm not the greatest leader on the worship side. I thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you that we get to come into a place, Lord, that you've allowed us to come into a place where we get to worship you in one voice, united together, Lord, seeking to understand who you are, Lord, as you show us your mercy and your love. But God, you're holy. You're worthy of all the praise and all the glory and all the honor, Lord. And as we come in, Lord, let us learn to come in each and every week, Lord, with a holy aspiration, Lord, where we get to lift your name up, Lord, with everything we have. 
with total surrender. And Lord, I thank you that your byproduct of that holy surrender is a transformation in our lives. Allowing us to, to not look to the left or the right, but to look to the source that is our hope. God, touch each and every one of us, Lord, as we get ready to go home. Let us worship you on the car ride home. Let us worship you at work this week. Let us worship you and let people see the worship. But let us go as one body, Lord. Holy, 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 Lord, is what we want to sing as one body as we know that we are the body of Christ moving through this world, seeking to restore that which was lost. But Lord, help us, Lord. Help us to remain united every single day. Help us come with the eager anticipation, Lord, to see the united believers coming together and see the growth that comes from it. Let us see how corporate worship transforms this world around us. And God, let us be one. As you and the Father, Lord, are one. And how we want to be like that, Lord, where we're so connected with you, Lord. Guide us, Lord, in every single day that we have. Be with us, Lord, and touch us. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church said, Church, I love you all. Thank you for bearing the snow. Thank you for braving it. But go and be safe home, getting home, and go and be the church. Go love your neighbor as yourself, as you love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And we hope to see you this week.